and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 6, Chapter 5, The Steward and the King, Exploring Expectation in Community. Ellen, Mm -hmm. we finally get more Faramir. Woo! Sorry. And I know that you've read this before, right? But like, was there anything that you had really hoped for Faramir that came true in this chapter? Um, perhaps you were expecting something to happen mm. and didn't quite mm-hmm. remember that it happened in this chapter. <laughs> well, most recently, apart from reading this this book, the last time I visited this story was actually watching the extended version of the third movie Mm, and in the extended mm -hmm. version there is this hilarious scene where eowyn is standing in a window and like really slowly looks over her shoulder like basically with a slow motion hair flip and then it cuts to a scene of like basically faramir doing googly eyes and i was (laughs) mad that there was nothing of that in this chapter (laughs) Uh, that's amazing. I have to go watch that now after this. Yes, you you must. Um, the third, I think the the first movie, no, no, no. The second movie is my favorite Mm -hmm. non-extended, but my third is my, is my favorite extended. So Mm, good. mm -hmm. That's a good qualifier. Do you think, like, would Faramir and Eowyn, you know, should they be in our cultural zeitgeist today, do you think they'd have, like, a good couple's name? I feel like they have some tough names to try and blend together. Farrowin. Nope. That <laughs> sounds too much like heroin. We have yeah. to walk that one back. Um, Aomir? Well, that's her brother's name. Farrowin? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Mm. What's that? Do they have last names, or is it just, like, of Gondor? <laughs> I mean, I have to imagine they have last names. These folks have all kinds of names, right? Like, they have to have some sort of, like, of lineage. Aerolingus. Ferrolingus. Ferrolingus, which definitely sounds still like an airline. So. Yes, it does. No, I was glad that we got to, got some of them in this. Their romance is not as fleshed out as it should be, to be honest. No. We should take a pause here. And maybe build out like three or four chapters of them falling in love, like a novella within a novel. Right. Just exploring their relationship. And honestly, Arwen and Aragorn are also given the dirty here. Like they do not get the screen time they deserve. And it's just like, yep, I've always waited for this moment. And now it's here and it's done. (laughs) Well, I think that is such an apt summation of this chapter because i as i read it i was like did an editor request that he include like more romance (laughs) and so this is his like one chapter as a nod to like i don't know we'll see we'll see if this expands the demographic (laughs) of people who want to read this um but it's over here and it's not really that important and uh, he's waited all his life and now we're done (laughs) and it's done it's like two lines at the end of the chapter Mm -hmm. All all right we didn't build up to that at all, didn't hint at it really, just like, it's it's here, you should have known that that was a thing. The end. The end. Right. I think they do, and now I'm not going to get this right, and I really don't want any angry internet messages, but 
I want to say there's more about their relationship with Aragorn and um, and and Eowyn's, you know, separate relationships in like the indexes, the indices, I should say. Probably no one's, no one would know. Just kidding. I'm sure a lot of people know. We don't. So know. many people know that aren't <laughs> us, but none of the people on this podcast know. So uh-uh. that's all that matters for today. So with that being said, under the theme of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. let's transition into today's discussion mm-hmm. of the theme. So our theme is expectation. Um, so what can we expect from your story? Today's story, you can expect some twists and turns because we are going to talk about the curse of the billy goat. I wasn't prepared for you to say that. <laughs> I am hooked. Let's do this. Okay. So I was living in Chicago in 2016 when the Cubs made it to the World Series if you are not familiar with uh, American baseball, the Cubs are one of two professional baseball teams in Chicago, and honestly, the only one worth mentioning. So, now this was a huge deal for the Cubs to make it to the World Series, because the last time they had made it that far was in 1945, and they hadn't won since 1908, which was the longest championship drought in MLB history. So during that 1945 World Series, this man named William Cianis, who was the owner of the Billy Goat Tavern, which is still standing. You can go visit it today. They have great cheeseburgers. The owner of the Billy Goat Tavern goes to the World Series and tries to bring his Billy Goat into the stadium. Now, there's a couple of different ways which people say this went down, but the most common way I've heard it is that the goat was being a bit disruptive. And some fans complained about the goat being in the stadium with them. And William was asked to leave with his goat. And he put a curse on the Cubs and said something to the effect of, the Cubs are not going to win anymore. You have disrespected my goat. And so that is the curse that's hanging over everyone's head. When back in 2016, by game four of the World Series, the Cubs were down three to one. The series is only a best of seven, so the the other team, Cleveland, only needed to win one more game to win the World Series, and thus the curse would be perpetuated. I lived one train stop away from Wrigleyville at the time. That was the neighborhood where the Cubs field is, and I remember going there basically every night, and it was packed each night, regardless of if the Cubs were playing at home or away. It was just filled and filled with throngs of people. So by game four, again, we're down 3-1, the mood of the crowd was definitely subdued since most people were expecting that we would lose again. I remember each night out in the street, there was this guy with a goat and he was trying so hard to break the curse. He would walk that goat up and down Clark Street and everyone was so freaking nice to it giving it food, giving it pets, like he was some sort of visiting goat dignitary who could change the fate of our people with his little bearded chin and his little hooves. And then when the Cubs won game five, there was a huge shift in expectations. You could, you could feel it in the crowd. And with each successive win, the level of frenzy and the expectation of the Cubs breaking in and winning increased until they did. They won. They won game seven. The 108-year drought was broken, 
and the billy goat curse was no more. Everyone was a little raucous. There was dancing in the street, lots of drunken revelry. I remember there were fireworks just being shot off from street corners. People were climbing light poles. Horns were honking. It was, it was complete mayhem. And then because they had won in Cleveland, the Cubs returned to Chicago, the victorious champions. And the city of Chicago had the largest gathering of people ever in the Western Hemisphere. It was about 5 million people showed up to celebrate this victory parade. (laughs) So the city had been lying in wait and really fearing the worst and expecting the worst, only to have a complete mood shift to everyone expecting this huge celebration and party. And that arc really reminded me of what we saw in today's chapter. That was the most sports-filled story you could have told, and I was really not prepared for that. It's the only sports story I can tell. I am currently watching The Last Dance, so one day I will also be able to tell that one. But Mm. because I was there and everyone was talking about the Cubs so excessively, they were like, yeah, yeah, and William blah, blah, blah from the Billy Goat Tavern, he was there at the World Series in 1945, and he put the curse down, and that made them lose. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, a fun fact. Sorry, one more fun fact. On the, It was like the 45th anniversary of William's death is the day that the curse broke. So, <laughs> ta-da! I truly thought, like, as you were explaining this to me, I was like, is she reading me a Wikipedia article? <laughs> like, this, this, the, These are so many facts and dates and names that I was not prepared for any of it. I was not expecting it, you might say. I ran all, well, good. We love, an, we love a surprise. I ran all of the facts past my boyfriend before coming to the story. I was like, just to confirm, I've gotten this all correct. And he was like, yeah, you've nailed it. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Verified by an independent source. An independent Cubs fan who has like, sil- who actually went to one of the games um, and has silly amounts of baseball knowledge in his brain. <laughs> I love that. And I do think, I think it's a nice arc, uh, as you, as you named for kind of what happens in today's chapter, because it is such a, everybody's waiting with bated breath. They expect it to be just the absolute worst that it possibly can be. And then there are, there are surprises and there are shifts and, oh, maybe we're all having a really good time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a party now and the Billy Goat curse is over. (laughs) That's right. I love that they were... (laughs) petting and feeding this random other goat yeah. like what a lovely life that goat has now led that's like the pinnacle of goatness they're like we're so sorry for what we did to your great 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 grandfather <laughs> your brethren your brethren in the year of our lord 1945 we will rectify it right <laughs> with with snacks with snacks <laughs> mm-hmm Oh my god. Do we know why the billy goat came with him to the stadium in the first place? Um, so he was the owner of the billy goat tavern and I think it was some sort of marketing stunt of like come ah. to his nickname was Billy Goat cuz his name was William. He was like the billy goat and he started this bar in downtown Chicago and it's like, "Ah, yes, I'll bring a goat to the World Series and everyone will learn mm. about my tavern." And it backfired. <laughs> It backfired so, so hard. Uh Uh-huh. Fascinating. So, yeah, that's my, that is my story of expectations. We were not expecting it. You weren't expecting me to have so much baseball knowledge. I really wasn't. 
And I'm sorry. I, I would say I was uh, I was skeptical, and uh, I shouldn't have been. Uh-huh. I should not have been. And uh, I think it's be I. It stuck out also in my mind just because it's such a good story. The curse is such a good, such a good mm-hmm. human interest piece. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's what we got to to tie in a real world example to today's chapter. And you've hinted that there there have been some twists and turns in, in the chapter that we read today. But how about you walk us through the many, many items of interest from this chapter? Yes, there are there are quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, everything happens. So <laughs> everything happens all at once, and we get a we get a lot of nuggets of information. So we we start our chapter back in Gondor. Gondor is like pseudo leaderless and Eowyn is getting restless so she meets with Faramir and beseeches him to persuade the healing warden which is a title of a person that sounds both scary but also maybe helpful (laughs) to let her go to war because the healing warden is like no, you need to stay in bed for seven days. And she's like, I can't. I'm a shield maiden. I must do something. So she goes to Faramir to ask this question. Faramir declines, but ultimately invites Eowyn to walk with him in the gardens, which she does over the course of this week that she's supposed to be resting. And I guess the healing warden is like, we'll take what we can get. You're not at war. So this is a win for me. So in sort of this last moment where they're expecting there to be a, an implosion of the world, hand in hand, they wait and ultimately receive not bad news, but joyous tidings that Sauron has fallen. Hooray. So Eowyn then is bidden to come to the field of Cormalin, but does not. She yearns still for Aragorn. Does she? Allegedly. Okay. I think that's what she I think that's what she means when she says I like have love for another who does not you know it's re- not yeah. reciprocate. Okay. I couldn't tell. I was like what's what's happening? <laughs> and honestly, I think that has I think it has to do with two things. One, if we look at it from a character perspective, Eowyn, shield maiden, not very touchy feely, and she's pretty clear about that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she just isn't good about expressing her feelings. But I also think that for the fact that this chapter is unveiling a lot to us really, really quickly that we have not been hinted at at all, it does feel very random to be like, did you love Aragorn? Or did we just talk about it once in one sentence, Mm -hmm. like three books ago, and then that was it? So in any event, she allegedly still yearns for Aragorn, and he, of course, pities her but does not love her back. Faramir professes his love, saying, no, 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 I see you for who you are, and I used to pity you, but I don't anymore, and you're great and beautiful, and we should get married. And Eowyn's, in this moment, her the winter falls from her heart, and she accepts. And so they're going to get married, which is dope. Uh, and then all the armies return from war, and Faramir is permitted to continue his stewardship until Aragorn is announced as king. Um, and so there's a big ceremony. It's a pretty great crown that gets like busted out from the annals of history to celebrate his coronation. Aragorn ultimately requests Frodo and Gandalf participate in the giving of the crown to him. So typically it would just be Faramir, but instead he asks for Mithrandir and Frodo to participate. 
Baragon then is exonerated and appointed captain for Faramir's, like, secret service detail because of his undying loyalty to him. Faramir is given Ithilien for his princedom, and we learn that Aomer is basically a brother-in-arms to Aragorn, but he has to go back to Rohan to put things in order, and then Theoden will be laid to rest in, in Rohan. So Eowyn goes with Eomer to ready everything until Theoden reaches his final resting place, um, and so she parts from Faramir for a time. The Fellowship remains in Gondor, living in a house with basically Gandalf serving as a house mother, um, which is hilarious and is absolutely a spinoff TV show that I want. Yes, I loved that. Um, Aragorn is waiting for a day, but won't tell the Fellowship what. Again, we're being hinted, this thing is being hinted at, but none of us really seem to know what he's talking about or what's going on. One day, Aragorn and Gandalf disappear out of the city for what appears to be a bro's camping trip. And Gandalf tells Aragorn that the Age of Men has arrived and, like, the Elder Council is no longer needed. So it seems to be him, like, sort of separating himself from being so enmeshed in the world's affairs. But also there's a tree with a long lineage which will bear the sign that Aragorn waits for. And uh, so then they find it and they take that back to Gondor. Then the tree blossoms and basically a who's who of Middle-earth elves arrive in the city, including... Galadriel and Glorfindel and Celeborn and Elrond and his daughter Arwen and then Arwen and Aragorn wed because this is apparently what Aragorn has been waiting for and the chapter ends. <laughs> How funny also was the scene of Gandalf and Aragorn trying to find this tree. Oh my god and hilarious. They're standing like six feet away from it and Aragorn's like I'm never gonna be able to find the tree and Gandalf's like look to the dark places and he turns around and he's like oh, the tree i found it and you're like aragorn you didn't find anything what are you talking about Gandalf walked you up here and was like maybe you should turn around this is literally this is how my dog odin and i when he can't find his ball in the backyard yes. until i just increase my proximity to it until he finds it himself uh-huh. but i'm standing next to it so like, oh my gosh yes. did you see that there's a tennis ball over here you are so smart how did you find this you are definitely a descendant of wolves oh, good God. job same energy same energy in this scene with Gandalf and yes. yeah he was like yeah I'm definitely done you know age of men but maybe just this one last medal <laughs> this one last medal where I go hey look over there oh my god look at that tree I've been looking for <laughs> it's a sign yeah uh-huh. how did it get here how did I get here? I just imagine Gandalf like sighing kind of quietly to himself while rubbing mm-hmm. his his eyebrows. Like, mm-hmm. it's like this is the best yep. of men. This is the best we have. <laughs> cool. <sighs> cool. Can I go across the sea to the land of eternal rest? Because yeah. I'm tired. Yes, Andy's <laughs> tired. We need a break. <laughs> but yeah, they did. They found the tree. So good job. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Right. So they, as I understand it, there's some, there's some sort of, of course, like lineage, you know, so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so for this tree. And it has to do with Gondor and like, obviously the white tree of Aragorn's like shield deal. And so then they have to like remove the charred old dead tree. Mm -hmm. They are pruning this garden and then place in the new one. And then an undetermined amount of time passes but it blossoms and then 
Oh, look, Arwen comes. How does she know that the tree has blossomed? I have so many questions. Magic. So, I mean, there was a lot that happened in this chapter. It definitely had a little bit more of like a, not quite manic, but definitely a more like whimsical vibe to the the group of the fellowship. Now that we're not all focused in on just, you know, saving the world, basically. Uh-huh. But um, given that, I'd love to know where you found examples of today's theme among all of these different moving parts. So many, so many examples. My first one is literally the first sentence of chapter five. Quote, over the city of Gondor, doubt and great dread had hung. And I think that is similar to the city of Chicago in, you know, after game four. Mm. We're expecting the worst. There is doubt. There is dread. We're not feeling good about where we're at. And then it it does go on to list, like, why we're not feeling good. Like, the Lord who had ruled us is dead and burned. King of Rohan is dead. The king that had come back, he actually just left. So, SOS. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then my next page, uh, or my next example, is on both pages 256 and 257. And this is when Faramir and Eowyn are starting to meet and chat with each other. Whoa! And the, the quote from Faramir to Eowyn is, quote, You and I, we must endure with patience the hour of waiting. And then she keeps going and is like, no, I don't really want to wait. I can't see east in my window <laughs> i know that's such a and he's like oh is that i mean i can't let you go to war but i can find can you get, a, window can get a different window yeah east. that's fine <laughs> i mean i am a steward i think we can find you another room ma'am yes. and uh after he fixes that problem for her he says quote and here you will find me walking and waiting and also looking east so faramir they're both expecting not great things to happen. They're they're not neither of them have a lot of hope that things will turn out for the best. But he's his heart still has hope even though his brain is not saying that that's the logical thing to do. Aon is still without hope. God bless her. I did feel like and as an aside, she did have a moment of self-awareness here. When she was, like, worried that Faramir would just think that she was a child who couldn't bear doing something unpleasant for a long period of time, like sitting in bed while you're waiting to heal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, Eowyn, that, that's good of you to think that. <laughs> that's some self-awareness. That, that may be a very accurate assessment of your current yes. situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just chill out for a second. So, yes, that's where we're at. And then a few pages further, we are still with Aeon and Faramir on page 259. When he's, like, trying to make some overtures and she is not really having it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it says, like, let us not speak at all. <laughs> it's like, girl. <laughs> um, but then she goes on to say, quote, I stand upon some dreadful brink. And it is utterly dark in the abyss before my feet. But whether there is any light behind me, I cannot tell. For I cannot turn yet. I wait for some stroke of doom. And Faramir says, yes, we wait for the stroke of doom. And they said no more. And they said no more. (laughs) (laughs) So he is really, 
I don't know. I feel like in a lot of relationships, there's like the upbeat person who's trying to be like, no, we got this. And maybe that, you know, it changes depending on the season. Mm -hmm. But in this season, Faramir is definitely the upbeat half of this partnership trying to lift up Eowyn a little bit. Which I think is positively hilarious Mm -hmm. because when we first meet Faramir, he's such a like art house poet like brooding soul kind of intellectual dark academia all of the things right like he wants to listen to the rain pitter patter on his windows Mm -hmm. as he has tea and now only dark navy turtlenecks only dark navy turtlenecks and like a lot of tweed Uh and then sweet baby aowen comes into his life and she was like let me one-up you (laughs) and all of those i am moodier (laughs) we are gonna walk in this garden together So it's like I have to. So when we had first talked about Faramir, right, we were like casting our high school movie uh-huh. version, uh, if you recall. And I have this image in my head of like Eowyn coming in. She's, she's the transfer student. Yes. She comes in like a little bit goth. <laughs> Everything slows down. Faramir hears some sort of like My Chemical Romance song in the she background. She can't believe that her parents made her move midway through her senior year. <laughs> she definitely has a nose ring. Like I just... <laughs> Uh, it's very funny. It's very funny. It's not written as such, but it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and like, come, come on, Tolkien. He could write this better. He's good at this. I do feel like he sort of just half-heartedly threw this in. I'm like, yeah, let's let's give him a romance. <laughs> right. But not in any kind of like material no. way. Just in the kind of we're wrapping up loose ends kind of no. way. <laughs> Spends 70 million pages devoting to like the best male brotherly friendships that have ever been written. And then, I mean, a lot of books out there spend time on romantic relationships. So that's okay. But come on, guys. <laughs> okay. So my next example, again with Faramir, we're on page 262. This is when Aon has said like, yeah, I'll... I'll marry you. I don't desire to be queen anymore. And he's like, well, that's very good because I am not a king. And he says, quote, In happier days, let us dwell in fair Athelion and there make a garden. All things will grow with joy there if the white lady comes. And that is him having just really wholesome and hopeful expectations for his future life with Eowyn, which I found very sweet. It's a very, they're very charming together, even though she is a bit. They're dramatic. He is a bit poetic. Yes. And she is a bit blunt. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. Okay, my next example is with Aragorn. And this is when he has arrived to Gondor and they're doing uh, the welcome ceremony with him and Faramir and our girl Eorith. We get to see her again. And Aragorn has this following quote out of the great sea to middle earth i am come in this place i will abide and my heirs unto the ending of the world and he really one-ups faramir faramir has expectations for like the next 20 years and aragorn has his expectations here for literally until the end of the world that his heirs Mm -hmm. are going to rule gondor this is the way it's going to be i'm gonna go find you guys that tree and we're gonna get things ship shape right Gandalf's gonna find the tree for me I'm gonna pretend to find the tree (laughs) 
in my assist, uh-huh. I am going to go. <laughs> I will be there when the tree has been found again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will take all of the claim and yes. all of the glory. Mm-hmm. I brought you this tree. Mm-hmm. And then my last example is, again, with Aragorn on my page 268. A day draws near that I have looked for in all the years of my manhood. And when it comes, I would have my friends beside me. But of that day, he would say no more. And this is the mystery day where he's like, hey, guys, don't leave yet. Something's going to happen and I really need you to be here. How long would you wait if you were staying at a friend's house and they were like, you actually can't leave yet because we're waiting for something? (laughs) I don't know. If the thing is food... Uh And they've intimated as such, probably much longer than anything else. But otherwise, I don't know, like 30 minutes. He has them wait like a month. (laughs) I know. It's bananas. And I'm like, I want to go. I want to sleep in my own bed. I want to shower in my own shower. I haven't been home in forever. I haven't been home in for. We just did this, Aragorn. I just. We've seen Mm -hmm. each other. Like, we'll we'll see each other later. We'll schedule a time Mm -hmm. to get. get, Nope. A full month so long um and those are all of my notes that i have those are all my well those are all my examples for expecting in this chapter what do you think like how do you think being in community changes the way that you shape your expectations i think community can have its own expectations Mm. i'm in the community of New York City and I expect like the people in that community to behave a certain way. There is this video on Instagram of this guy who had fallen asleep on a train and a rat crawled on him and the person didn't wake him up. He just filmed and that is not a community expectation. If you're on the subway with somebody and you see a rat crawling towards them and going up their leg, you wake that person up. That is my community expectation mm-hmm. for living in the, in the city. So I think you you hold each other accountable and you have those like this is how we're all going to choose to live together or be together in this way either either a formal expectation like a rule or a law or something informal like hey i'm gonna hold the door for you on the train i'm gonna give you the right directions when you ask i'm gonna wake you up if there's a rat on your knee i think those are called like social mores right where they're kind of like not not codified mm-hmm. by by law, but more so are the acceptable practices, yeah. right? Of of interacting in your community and how the you know how it might reflect what the values of the community are. Yes, these are established good behaviors. Right, right. And um, we get we get some of those in this chapter. Yeah, and I think we it's interesting too to think about what expectations each individual kind of holds and that there is like support and care and camaraderie both when the expectations are positive and when the expectations are negative but the way that that shows up looks very very different and I think that's a that's a really lovely aspect of community as well as basically the expectation shapes the way that you interact with your community or what you need from your community and in this space right we're seeing a very responsive a responsive group of individuals to be like all right we all think that everything's going to be terrible and so between Eowyn and Faramir they have this nice like 
they're talking a little bit, but sometimes it's just quiet. You know, as they're waiting for these end of times, they're holding hands, but they don't really realize that they're holding hands because they just need that, like, level of touch or support. And then, you know, that whole dynamic is eradicated when everything turns out to be great, right? We've done all of the best things that we could possibly do. And so now our relationship looks very different. Now our community looks very different. Um, but in, in both, right, the community is kind of helping us shape what we can expect from one another and, and what that looks like. Yeah, now that we know that there is a future, we're going to clean up the city and we're going to mm-hmm. bring people into the city to have this big party and celebration and coronation. And maybe a double right. wedding. Who knows? Maybe a double wedding. Should we, shall we transition to our talking with Tolkien? Yes, let's. Okay. So this is my favorite part of the podcast where we bring our favorite quotes, our notable quotes from the chapter. Anna, how about you kick us off? Will do. We already talked about one that I truly found to be hilarious, like laughed out loud, and that's Aragorn finding, and that's in air quotes, (laughs) the tree. Um, Just a very funny moment. Um, And then another funny moment is my first page of the chapter, page 291. And Eowyn is just being absurdly dramatic, as we know her to be. (laughs) And I just really liked this quote to the Warden of the Houses of Healing. Sir, she said, I am in great unrest and I cannot lie longer in sloth. (laughs) You were like stabbed by a very evil man. You can wait. You can rest. It's going to be okay. Also, the guy reading this chapter pronounced it sloth. Yes. And I was like, is that the British pronunciation? Because I've literally never... Okay. (laughs) It is, yes. I've never heard anyone say it that way before. To lie in sloth. (laughs) To lie in sloth. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're having a few days nap. Yeah, it's it's seven days after you were, like, literally riding across middle earth Mm -hmm. carrying a sweet baby mary with you Mm -hmm. like fighting in a battle i know you're a shield maiden you're gonna be fine (sighs) good old aon i love her so much but she is a bit absurd Mm -hmm. and then um on page 303 both i liked the writing um the description of the crown that faramir busts out but I also really thought it sort of starts on a funny note, too, and I don't, I don't think that was the intention. So the full quote is this. It was shaped like the helms of the guards of the citadel, save that it was loftier, and it was all white, and the wings at either side were wrought of pearl and silver in the likeness of the wings of a seabird. For it was the emblem of the kings who came over the sea, and seven gems of adamant were set in the circlet, and upon its summit was set a single jewel, the light of which went up like a flame. So obviously, this is is some dope headpiece that they're talking Mm -hmm. about, but I thought it was hilarious that it starts with, it was shaped like the helms of the guards of the citadel, save that it was loftier. So it was like a helmet, but cooler. (laughs) Cool. It's a fancier, better helmet. Yeah, it was like a bougier helmet. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And taller. It also probably means like literally loftier. (laughs) Right. Right. It was 
we needed to um, raise the doors. Uh, mm-hmm. We had to do this all outside because we could not fit it through <laughs> the door frames. So those were my quotes. They were they were a bit sillier than our, our usual quotes. What did you find? My first one is below your first Aowen quote on page mm-hmm. 255. It's like the second page of the chapter. Also with the, well, the warden. <laughs> and he's like basically not quite capitulating he doesn't know if he should bring her to faramir and he goes but i do not know and she replies quote will you not bring me to him then you will know yeah (laughs) it's like she gets what she wants (laughs) and then my other favorite quote was from gandalf on page 269 when frodo is saying that okay Pippin, didn't you say that Gandalf was less close than old? He was weary of his labors then, I think. Now he is recovering. And Gandalf replies, quote, Many folk like to know beforehand what is to be set on the table, but those who have labored to prepare the feast like to keep their secret, for wonder makes the words of praise louder. And I liked that. I thought of you when I read that quote. <laughs> I want to surprise you. <laughs> I want, there needs to be pageantry and i cannot do that if you know so if you know what's happening the whole effect is ruined (laughs) right i will set the stage i will put the itinerary together i will fold the napkins and then you it will all be unveiled and i will tell you when it is time (laughs) and you will praise me louder for your wonder (laughs) praise them with great praise with great praise okay so i did say that last week um (laughs) it's now a part of our her vernacular yes i brought home takeout and my boyfriend said praise them and i said praise them with great praise and he said what <laughs> so Obviously that worked great the rings. <laughs> check 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 wow that's amazing i love that for you thank you and those were those were my two talking with talkings those were excellent i Every interaction between Eowyn and the Warden is really funny to me. I just, <laughs> she's so adamant mm-hmm. that she needs to talk to Faramir. And the Warden is like, I guess. like <laughs> I don't know. Just bring me to him and you will know. And you will know. Oh, okay. okay. Can we settle down? Do you know how many people I've healed in these yeah. houses of healing? You need to rest. No. No resting. No oh, sloth. I love that. No sloth for her. All right. So that brings us to the action item. Ellen, how can we strengthen our community through your action item today? So I thought about making the action item using one of your pets to place a curse on somebody who has wronged you. But... Oh, I do like that. I don't know that it strengthens our community, exactly. but it definitely like, strengths I... our hexes. Yeah, I'm like, I think that's the wrong energy that we're supposed to be bringing here. So that's like a bonus item if you choose to go that route. Right. The actual action item is next time you are starting perhaps planning a project or a trip with another person to ask them what their expectations are beforehand and then really listen and see if there's a way to incorporate that into the the final 
whatever, the final project, event, trip, etc. I think it feels really good to be listened to and it can be very clarifying to make sure everybody's expectations are out at the beginning instead of, you know, midway, halfway or at the end when perhaps people have been let down or not quite achieved what they wanted to achieve because we didn't start from talking, uh, we didn't start from a place of understanding each other's expectations. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's a big deal, right? And I think it's it's also an opportunity to clarify when expectations cannot be met, to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that you have that expectation and, you know, for time, for resources, for, you know, what, what have you. We may not be able to do that, right? And I think that just allows people to feel both heard, but also to manage where it's not possible to meet expectations as well. Yes. Under promise, over deliver. (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I love that. I'm excited to try that in the next week or so Mm -hmm. um, with setting some expectations. And then maybe use your dog to place a curse on somebody. I don't know. Could work. You know, I was thinking about that. I feel like it would be really tricky to use him to place a curse because he's too wiggly and happy most places. Yeah, nobody would be like, could you please remove this dog? Right. <laughs> and then you'd be like, haha, I've been waiting for that. Right, a curse. right. A curse upon you mm-hmm. and your family. For the next 108 years. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you for that action item. You are very welcome, and thank you for such a joyful recording session. I was expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely, I mean, I think it is reflective of the vibe of the chapter, which is we have the shadow has passed. We are now in a time of great abundance and Mm -hmm. pageantry and joy. And crowns. And crowns and really cool crowns. And so it's an opportunity and, you know, long lineaged trees um, and it was a good time to, to bring some of that into our recording today. Today's podcast was brought to you by Easter Egg Hunts with Gandalf. He'll show you where he hid them. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. cleaning the dog hair out of my keyboard (laughs) (laughs) so i am also i mean it's a it's a it's a futile task i'll stop (laughs) i was looking at my book trying to read what these notes in the margin said here and it says mufasa (laughs) i was like what is that so um on the opposite when he looks at the dark page (laughs) yeah in the dark dark he's like this is your realm and the heart of the greater realm that shall be and he brings aragorn up and points out like these are all this all of this is now yours Mm -hmm. that's gandalf's mufasa moment except for the land of shadow we must never go there we must never go there